0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Please welcome ta Coats. Coates. Welcome. See, I gave you the black handshake. The black... Dude, <laughs> you know what's so funny is you wrote about that? In the, I was reading the piece last night, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't even... It's just a moment in time where you go, Barack Obama straddles two lines, yeah, yeah. You know where he is, yes, president, but you cannot deny that your president was black.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And it's that small moment where you go like, do I, do I make it, do I not? Do right, I? right, right, right. So, yeah. But uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, straight. man, it's, a, it's been quite a journey for you. I remember the first time we spoke and you had exploded onto the scene, your book, a bestseller, everyone talking about you, and your life has changed since then. A little bit. Little bit? Just a little bit? A little bit. Uh, a lot of
1: it. It's odd, too, because I've been writing for 20 years, and for about 18 of those years, no one cared. Yeah, And then, like, a bunch of people were suddenly looking. So it's like the, it's like the weirdest thing, you know what I mean? It's like if you do this, like you just sing on corners, like for, and that's just what you do, you just yeah. sing on corners, you just like singing on corners, and then one day there are a lot of people looking at the corner. You know what I mean? And you can't quite figure out, like, why, why they're there. You feel like you've been doing the same thing the whole time.
0: So. Well, I, I guess maybe it was a combination of you hitting your peak and maybe America reaching a place where your voice was something that was uh, that is that is needed. Um, what would you say is is the, the best and worst part of having celebrity, though? Oh, man, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I, I
1: have to give you an honest answer. Um, it's very challenging to be a college dropout, trying to be a writer financially. Um, my life is a lot less financially challenging now. Yeah. I have to say that that's the best part. I just gotta be honest about that.
0: Well, I hope so. It we'll would be weird um, if you weren't <laughs> honest about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just true. Um, probably the worst part is the amount of people looking at you. I mean, not yeah. that, I mean, I, I, you know, I was one of these people who probably a few years ago was like, I don't understand what's wrong with Kanye West. And I kind of understand a little bit now. You know what I mean? Like I kind of, <laughs> so I kind of got it. I'm not saying you know you should have gone to see Trump, but I kind of get it a little bit. You know what I
0: mean? <laughs> no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, like I think one of the pieces that resonated with me was where you talked about how people no longer see you as a human not being. At all. They no, no, see no, no, you not as an all. object.
1: Not at all. Not at all. Like you, you really are. Um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like they'll talk to you, and and this is like good and bad. Like yeah. even when they're complimenting you. And it's like, it's going like right past you. Like they're talking to some image of you. And you know, you have this whole thing where you can't figure out why people are being nice to you, whether they're being genuine or not. And even when they're being mean to you, you know, it's like, you, you're, like you're not really being mean to me. You know what I mean? Like it's like some other thing.
0: It's, it's the idea of you. Yeah, the I idea of you, yeah. And that idea is exacerbated by, by the writing because people do look to your writing now. I, I know, you know, I've heard you talk about it a bit, you know, even the last time we were here, how you, you sort of shun that. You go, hey, yeah, I write, yeah. and these are my opinions, and that's yeah. that. I'm not dictating, I'm, yeah. I'm not putting it in place. But this article is really powerful. My president was black. Mm-hmm. What does that title mean?
1: Well, there was a moment uh, during the inauguration that you know, a, a lot of folks watch at the time, and I watch with you know, young Jeezy and uh, Jay-Z are on stage, and they do my president is black, and it was such a joyous, beautiful moment. And I wanted to conjure that, but at the same time, um, make it a little bit elegiac, like this thing had actually ended. Yeah. And so it, it, it kinda, you know, just all sort of fit
0: together. And, and this is a piece where you spent, it seems like you spent a lot of time with the president writing this piece.
1: We did, we actually did spend quite, I was sort of surprised that he spent that much time with me actually, because you know, the fact that um, I had been, you know, critical of him, yes. you know, sp- specifically about, you know, how he dealt with African-Americans in the past was a known thing.
0: You know, well, obviously well, to him in the White House. So. Well, well let's, let's get into that, because yeah. you do talk about that in the article. You've always been critical of the president uh, with regards to how he addresses uh, black audiences right. versus how he addresses a white audience about right. African-Americans. Right. Like, what was your biggest criticism of that?
1: Well, I, it was two things. I mean, I, I felt like the president in one respect, you know, wanted to be, as he said, the president of all people, but in in other respects wanted to, you know, get, you know, the sort of black past. So when it came to policy, when it came to talking about policy, it was always, I'm the president of all people. I can't do anything specific or special for black people. But then when it came to, you know, talking about, you know, what we, you know, now understand or what we call, you know, respectability politics, he was saying things to black folks that probably I would have less of a problem with if if he were not the president of the United States and thus the bearer of the heritage and the, you know,
0: legacy of why black folks are in a lot of these conditions in the first place. Here's a question I have, though. If you are in that position, how do you straddle the line, you know, mm. between between saying to, because you are the president, right? Right, you are, and you're talking to a black audience, right? Uh, like, is it the difference between nobody hearing you say this to a black audience, right. or is it the fact that you are saying it to a black audience?
1: I think it's the fact that you're you're the president now. Like, you just it's just a different sort of position. You're no longer Barack in the hood. You know what I mean? Like you.
0: It's true, you're black. Like, I, that sounds like a dope movie title, Right, right, the, the, in the hood. Right? I'm just gonna throw it out there, Barack right. in the hood.
1: Right, right, but you're not, that's not who you are anymore. I yeah. mean, you represent Andrew Johnson. You represent Andrew Jackson. You represent Woodrow Wilson. You have the heritage, you know, of, of, of a country that, you know, for m- most of its history, in terms of its policy, has not been particularly friendly towards black folks. And so my feeling was when you then, you know, addressed them, you know, in this sort of way, you know, why don't you pull up your pants? Why don't you work harder? Why don't you, you know, I just, um, man, boy, it, it just, just totally, completely rubbed me the wrong way, you well,
0: know? And you, you were in a unique situation where you could talk to the president yeah. about that. I don't that. know how effective I was, but yeah, yeah, no, I was. I, I
1: was, and um, it's the weirdest thing, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you're not gonna beat the president. But like you just, said, you just, yeah, you just not. <laughs> you're not. But you still got to fight, right? So you still have to go in there. And you gotta, you know, Because what he would do is he would summon you. You know, what I mean? he would summon yes. these reporters, and like, he's very tricky, right? Because what he would do is the first time I did it he sat me right next to him, because it's sign places where you have to sit, yeah. right? So everybody has to sit down and then he comes in. So it's like, you know, say it to my face. Yes. You know what I mean? You was all bold when and you was writing. You can, was, right, and you you can I mean? touch my face as well. You're right, right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then the second time, I was like, right across from him, right? So it's like, you know, what you got to say now? You go say, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're all brave when you got your, you know, your little laptop over there.
0: But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, here it is. You know what's funny you know? I pictured him saying this to you where he's right. like, uh, where's your laptop now? Yeah, yeah. 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 right, right. Uh, you're all great when you right, got right. your laptop. Right, right. Say it to my face, son right, say it to my face. Right, right, right. That's funny, that's right, that idea. Right, but yeah. right.
1: but you, you gotta say it. And, you know, so I always tell us the first time I felt like I went really, really soft and I came home and I told my wife, I said, man, I, I went, I went so soft. And when I was going down the second time, she said, listen, you go down there and you don't take no stuff, you don't play, you tell them exactly how you feel, son. Like she was like, you know what I mean? And then I went and I, I kind of overdid it. Like, <laughs> it was, to, like it was like, wait, it's still the president. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I don't want your water. Right, right, ah. yeah, right, like
0: that. <laughs> so I could never quite get it calibrated, you know you, what I mean? You know, let's, let's talk about that, just, just <laughs> genuinely, because this is the gist of this article. Yeah. It's you talking about Barack Obama trying to calibrate. It's mm-hmm. you as Ta-Nehisi mm-hmm. Coast trying to ca- calibrate. That seems to be the recurring theme that you hear being talked about, especially when it comes to black discourse in America. Right. In South Africa, it's the same. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's, it's a different history, right. but a shared history at the same time. Right. And it is always the conversation. How do you calibrate? Right. How extreme should you be? Yeah. How much conversation should you have? What, what was the one thing you noticed being with the president for so long in terms of his calibration? Well, first of all, I,
1: so this was like a a different piece than like everything else I've written. Like, I felt like when it came time to write this piece, like, I've taken my shots. People know how I feel. Like, this is not, you know, like, I, I could not rehash the same argument I was having. This was, you know, I guess an attempt to really, really understand him. The first thing I, you know, immediately, you know, felt that I understood was that he was able to address white americans in a way that I, I just think very few african americans could
0: and why, why is that
1: <sighs> because i think barack obama was born into a home um not just to a white woman and white grandparents but a white woman and white grandparents who shockingly told him it was okay that he was black and that he should not be ashamed of it and that he should in fact be proud of it um he, and I think also, I think in addition to that, you know, and he says this, part of the reason why that was possible is the sheer physical distance of being in Hawaii and not growing up against some of the grinding pressures of, you know, Jim Crow. And so I think he just, that, that's a very, very unique circumstance, you know, to, to, to grow up in. And I think it does kind of shape your approach um, in a good way, in the sense, if you want to have the ambition to be president of the United States, but perhaps in a bad way when it comes to actually having to deal with the force and the pressures of American racism when you can't actually escape it anymore. But but now, this is is a paradox,
0: and this is where I struggle, because one thing I love about you is that you are the eternal pessimist. No, because I sometimes feel like I'm too optimistic. Right, right, and right. when I read your stuff, I go like, yeah, maybe, you know what, Trevor, just come back to me. I think the world will become better and the right. moral arc. And I'm like, right. we can do it, guys. Right. We can, I really think like that. Wow. And your writing takes me the other way. Right, yeah, you, right. you know, I, yes. I find that balance in between. Right. But I go, when you talk about that, essentially what you're saying is, Barack Obama, in your opinion, mm-hmm. may not have ascended to the highest office in the land were he not someone who was able to see beyond what white people had done to black people in America?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I see beyond strikes me as a little, as a little, as a little bit much. Um, I think if he were more personally wounded, he was not traumatized by it. Do you understand, like, like when well, I grew up in... in I get when, what you're saying, yeah. When I grew up in West Baltimore, like, anything associated, like, and I'm talking about my childhood, yeah. associated with white people 99% of the time was something malevolent. Yes. Like, it was an explanatory force for something bad. And then, in some cases, it was a direct, you know, explanatory you know, force, you know, why do you live in the neighborhood you live in? Why are you worried, you know, in that neighborhood about your personal safety? Why is that neighborhood shaped the way, why do the police deal with you? And that, that's not his experience. Why, why are the schools the way they are? Yeah. Who has the power, who does not? That, that, that's not, you know, the sort of experience that he had. And so his approach
0: was, was very, very different, I think. But now, this is, this is the problem I have with the pessimism, is I go, you're basically saying that you need all of those ingredients to ever have a black president again like there was there's one line where you wrote where you, i mean i'll paraphrase but it was basically you saying we watched uh, the president and you were talking about the bet party the last party that the, the president threw and it was a black audience that had come together to celebrate and you, you you know the feeling was one of of loss but almost a future loss going yeah we will never see this again yeah, yeah Do you yeah. genuinely believe that I, I don't know, I, like, I, I, it's harder to predict,
1: because maybe there's another path that I, I'm not seeing. I didn't yes. see this, not like I could have okay. written this in advance, yeah. right? This is only my assessment of how he did it. Yes. You understand, like maybe there's some other path that I'm completely missing, because I certainly didn't see this path at all. Um, that's how he did it, and I don't think many African-Americans could have done it the same way, you know?
0: It, it, it's strange, it's, it's, what, what I picked up in the article is, it's almost like you're saying, strangely enough, why people can see the anger and then they fear that anger and so they respond differently. To the person who's yeah, in front of It might not them.
1: even be the anger. It's just like the, the the fact of the matter. I mean, like, if I have to go into downstate Illinois, I d I don't know these people. Yeah. He literally relates to these people. Do you understand? Like, it's my grandparents, right? I hear here. what you're saying. And it's very like, I, you know, the chances of me
0: actually, you know, walking into you know the kind of places that he walked into. Well, I, you know, well I'm not gonna lie, I know, I know I have a similar thing. Like sometimes people say to me, they go, Why aren't you angrier at white people? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you angry about everything? And then I go, I cannot condemn all of them because I know love from some white people. We don't want you to condemn all of them. No, but I mean, some people do though. Some people <laughs> right. want you to yeah. label it across the board. Wow. But I go, but when I see a white man, I see mm-hmm. my father. I go like, there's a person who I know mm-hmm. who loved me and a black woman right, and right, black right. people and my family. You get what I'm saying? Right. So sometimes it is, it is, it is that relatability. Um, when, you, when you're going through the, the, the story of Barack Obama, one thing I found interesting was how it's sort of related to what you talk about in your book many people of color can relate to it. But it's like, even as a president, it feels like Barack Obama had to be twice as good. Oh, he definitely did.
1: I mean, it's just, it's just no question. I mean, it was all of this sort of reporting after you know, the election that said, well, Barack Obama won these voters and Donald Trump won these, that proves that there's, there's no racism. No, 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 no. If I have to you know, jump six feet <laughs> to get the same thing that you have to jump two feet for, that, that's how racism works. It's not global and complete, you can't do it. It's really about raising, you know saying? It just means that you gotta clear a higher standard. You know what I mean? And, you know, to be president, he had to be, you know, uh, <clears throat> scholarly, intelligent president or a Harvard you know, Law Review, the product of some of our you know, greatest educational institutions capable of talking to two different worlds. And Donald Trump had to be rich and white. That was it. That's, that's
0: the difference. Well, that's not fair, orange. But but I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But, okay, let let me challenge you on this, though. I agree with most of what you're saying. I genuinely do, and I grapple with this every single day. But then I go, if you look at Obama and you track his progress, Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that Barack Obama ran on Mm -hmm. are ideas and policies that Donald Trump has run on mm. and not we're not talking about the major disgusting ideas that Donald Trump has you know the mm-hmm. deplorable ideas that right. he has reprehensible uh, you know feelings I'm talking more specifically around NAFTA you right. know, trade policies right. policies that affect those swing states that we know to be the white working class bastion right couldn't it be argued that Barack Obama and Donald Trump tapped into the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. that they, they both knew that if I go and talk to that factory worker and tell him I'm against those trade deals, that person will vote for me. Couldn't you argue that it's, it's that and not racism? Um,
1: I don't think it's either or. I actually don't think it, it's, it's Interesting. either or. Um, I don't really have the data, but my understanding is Hillary Clinton didn't really campaign in Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, and I think that was a, a major, major mistake. He spent a lot of time you know, invest it, you know? I, I think he just, I mean, you can say what you want about how high the barrier is. He just thought he could clear it, you know what I mean? If he went and talked to folks, you know? Um, and that's a, a great achievement, but it's also a very, very, very difficult achievement. And I know I keep going back to this. Yeah. I think, because it has to be said, I think the very thing that made that possible when it came time to govern was the reason why he was so caught off guard and so surprised by the kind of reaction that he got, which I think you mean from
0: Congress, from oh, yeah, yeah. you know, like the obstruction. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, black folks, you know, who had come up, you know, differently, you know, not the way he came up in Hawaii, might have been somewhat shocked by July, but not really surprised. I mean, if you told us that, you know what, Congress isn't going to work with him at all. Well, that accords with what we know about this. There's nothing about that, Derek, you know what I mean? Like, that's not really particularly surprising. But he, as a senator, had had these great relationships, you know, in the Senate when he was in the legislature in Illinois. He had had these sorts of great relationships. But see, now you're president. You understand? You're the titular head of the country, you know what I mean? You are the highest executive in the country. It's a very, very, very different relationship. the notion that a party that's been heavily racialized in a way that you know, uh, the Republican Party has been would freak out at the sight of that is not shocking to black folks at all.
0: Let's talk about the racialized aspect before, before we move on. Mm-hmm. That has been one of the biggest themes that has been talked about, people saying, you know, if Hillary talked to white voters, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Right. This is the product of making it all about race. Right. If y'all didn't keep bringing up race, right we wouldn't have needed to do this.
1: Yeah, again, I just don't think it's either or. You know what I mean? I think it probably is true that she probably should have spent more time in some of those states talking to folks. I think that's, that's true, you know? I'm, I'm never against that, you know? Um, at the same time, I, you know, I don't think it that, that means that you have to not talk about race at all. And given how the Democratic Party is, this isn't 20 years ago. I mean, if you're gonna be competitive in the Democratic Party, I mean, if you're gonna win South Carolina, you're gonna win Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, you gotta talk to black and brown people. So you don't even have the luxury anymore of of, of getting around it. It's not it's not a, a a viable path through a democratic primary anymore. And somebody, you know, if you're gonna be, you know, a, a viable candidate, you got to figure out how to balance those two things. And you know, that's the one thing he did do. He did have that figured out. You know, in terms of balancing and figuring out. Oh yeah, I mean, he could win to in to Iowa him. and then go win in South Carolina. I mean, these yeah. are two very 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 different states. You know, um, so that, that 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 you know, Hillary never quite figured that one out. You know.
0: Uh, let's uh, switch gears and talk a little bit about the piece itself and Tanahashi codes, because I'm genuinely fascinated mm. by this. I will read something like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I process it in my mind. I try and I, you know I, I argue with you in my mind right. where I don't agree in terms of the pessimism and so on. Right. But for the most part, I, I, I'm with you. Right. And then I'm always intrigued, you know, by people who say, um, "Oh, Tanahashi codes." Why didn't you write about Barack Obama's foreign policy? And right. Why didn't you write about Barack Obama's leniency on Wall Street? Why did you leave that out of the article? Right. Why was, that was glaringly obvious. Why didn't you write about that?
1: Because I can't, I can't. And I think those people who have special, specialties on Wall Street, and I think those people who have specialties on foreign policy probably can't write with the depth that I can, you know, about race. This is not, it's not like I you know, got an idea one day to say, hey, I'm going to write an article about, you know, the president's legacy on race. It's not like you can hand that to any reporter, and it's not because I'm particularly special. It's just that I've been thinking about this all my life, yeah. and I've been literally covering it for the past eight years. This is the culmination of a conversation, of a series of questions that I've been asking for the past eight years. The piece is organic. You can't just, you know, say, hey, you know what, I'm going to change my beat today and go take this approach. We published a piece, you know, a, a few months back on Barack Obama's foreign policy. It's not my expectation that, you know, the author of that piece is going to do what I do. I'm with you. you know what I mean? When I read, you know, Jane Mayer in the New York on extraordinary rendition, it's not my expectation that she's going to be able to come over here and do, you know, what I do on race and, and somehow make those links. I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be awesome. I wish I could. You know, but it, it requires a depth of knowledge. It's not just, you know, posing questions to people. It's knowing what questions to pose is knowing. You know, what the context is. I mean, it's a very difficult thing. Listen, I can sit in a bar with you all day and, you know, go back and forth about, you know, drones, go back and forth with you about business. As a voter, as a private citizen, I can do that. But this, it's a very, very hard thing. It's a much, much higher standard to actually write about it with some depth and some intelligence. And that would be a horrible reason to be sitting in a bar.
0: I mean, that's just a depressing (laughs) conversation. We're sitting there talking about drones and there's alcohol. Drones and alcohol don't mix. My type of party. My type of party, brother. Yo, I I, I just want to say to you, um, I love your writing. I love what you talk about, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting and strange to me how much pressure is bestowed on you by people. They go, like, yeah. oh, the Baldwin of this generation, this. And I go, no, you're, you're the Ta-Nehisi and, uh, I saw a lot and we more. appreciate you. Man. I saw a Thank a lot you so much more. for
1: Thank your you. time. Thanks so much.
0: <laughs> Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+.
1: Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.